You're listening to Million Dollar Mission, the podcast for entrepreneurs that are focused on purpose and profit. I'm your host, Dr. Chantel Chambliss, serial entrepreneur, nonprofit expert, wife, and mother. So on today's episode, I want to talk about something that we haven't talked about up to this point, and that is money, right? We're the Million Dollar Mission podcast, but we really haven't had an in-depth conversation about money just yet. Um, How are we getting to this million dollar point? What does that look like? What's the strategy behind it? And so I wanted to make sure that this conversation was an actual conversation, not just me like spitting out um, strategy and techniques and tools, but really wanted to sit down and talk with someone who who does this for a living, who um, guides people to their financial goals and really talk about what making the money, finding the money, securing the money, keeping the money really looks like specifically when you are also focused on purpose, when you are also focused on community impact, because the vantage point changes a little bit. When you, and shout out to all my boutique owners, no one is saying that y'all are not focused on community impact, but when the whole name of your game is changing communities and community impact and caring for those who cannot care for themselves, your vantage point shifts when you're focused on that million dollar goal, on that seven figure income goal. So today, our guest is going to drop some gems. I know I already know this. I know she's going to drop some gems about how we shift our focus and kind of come up with the strategy to help us get to that point. So without further ado, let's get into it. (laughs) I'm so excited um, for my audience to meet you today. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself because honestly, your resume and your credentials are just beyond what I could probably put into a couple of notes. So I want you to introduce yourself to the Million Dollar Mission audience, and then we'll jump into this conversation about money. Well, hey, Chantel, and hello, Million Dollar Mission listeners. I hope everyone is having a great day today. My name is Deja Coley, and I am a monetary release consultant um, I am also a nonprofit leader for a, a, a local nonprofit here in Richmond, Virginia called Girls Like Me, where we help teen girls increase their self-esteem and self-efficacy. I have spent a lot of time in a space where self-doubt plagues not only me, but I've seen how it plays a lot of people around me. And you know, my experience started personally throughout my middle school years where I allowed people's opinions of me to impact who I would be, how I would behave, the dreams and goals that I went after, all of it affected me because I truly didn't believe that who I was was enough. And um, when I started my work with teen girls, um, probably almost three years ago, I think at this point, I saw how, you know, how bad it really was. Um, I really wanted to set out on a mission where, you know, I knew what it was like and I didn't want girls at that age specifically to go through the same thing. Um, and so I said, well, I'm going to set out a mission to kind of almost try to stop it in its tracks. Um, and so that's when I founded Girls Like Me. And then the more time I spent in that line of work and seeing and realizing the true impacts of uh, self-doubt and low self-esteem on teen girls, I really got curious about how that looked for adults. 
And so, you know, I got in my booth and I started researching and I started polling and, and really trying to figure out what does low self-esteem look like in adults? So what does self-doubt look like for adults? And what I found was that for, you know, teens, it's bad grades. It's hanging out with the wrong crowds. But for adults, a lot of that stuff shows up in money and in in the decisions that we make in our money. And I didn't like that. I didn't like it at all. And so I said, you know what? I really want people to know the same thing that I want these teen girls to know. I want them to know that you can be who you are and that is enough. And you don't have to use any of these other tools. You don't have to use any of these other tools to try to earn work. And so um, that is when I created my business. And so far, I've just been setting out on a mission to, to teach people, here's how you can live a life of freedom and you can still reach all of your financial goals without having to betray who you actually are. See, I knew I, knew I couldn't put all of that into my notes. <laughs> so you said something really important that all of our the low self-esteem as adults, those things show up in our money. So when you have a, when you meet a person, a client who loves what they do, they're career driven, they're in the right job, but their money is still not right. And they have these goals. They want to make second, seven figures. They want to live in a certain area. They want to drive a certain car. They want their kids to go to certain schools, but the money that they're making in their career is not gonna get them there like what is the first piece of advice and I think this is probably where all of us need to start looking you tell me if I'm wrong when we're coming up with these strategies for how we're going to meet our money goals it's like okay if what I'm if what I have right now is not working if it's not moving me towards the goal what's the first thing that I do what's my first move I think that the first move in a situation like that is actually much less tangible. I think that the very first thing is moving into a place of, yes, I have goals. Yes, there, you know, there are things that I want to do, but that does not speak to my worth in this very moment. And really kind of, you know, yes, assessing on paper, okay, here's where I am, here's here's where I want to go, evaluating what's, you know, on paper, evaluating what's going to get you there, what's not going to get you there, eliminating those things, but ultimately still holding an attitude that who I am right now is enough and I'm going to get there because progress over perfection. Like if you are looking at the things on paper and you're doing what you're supposed to do um, according to what you've put on paper, then you're doing all that you can do and, and really being satisfied with what you, what you, where you want to go, what you're doing right now to try to get there. But just really, you know, it's really, I think a mindset shift from, oh my gosh, like what I have is not enough to, I am enough. Yes. I want to be in a different place, but I am enough. And here's what I'm going to do about that. And then executing. Oh, the execution. (laughs) So Let's talk about our people, these nonprofit leaders, right? You're a nonprofit leader. I'm a nonprofit leader. I assume most of my audience is made up of nonprofit leaders and social entrepreneurs. A recent report said that the highest, like the top earning nonprofit CEO typically makes about $85,000. 
right? That's like their cap. And there are nonprofit leaders that make more. We hear about them all the time. We see them getting bashed, you know, Salvation Army CEO, he makes a million dollars. Why is he making a million dollars? But really in the sector, the highest, like the high end of the range is $85,000. So how does a person who is focused on impact, doesn't want to change careers, kind of like what we were talking about with the same person, it's right? understanding you are enough. Where you are is fine if you're happy and you're fulfilled. But when this CEO looks at that $85,000 and understands this, okay, this is probably where I'm going to be, what would be some tips you would give this person to increase their income? I know I have things I, I talk to my clients about, like building um a personal brand that's attached to what they are passionate about in the nonprofit sector. But financially, could this, would you encourage this person to invest? Would you encourage this person to redesign what their nonprofit's budget, nonprofit budgets look like so that if they're bringing in X number of dollars, that these salaries go higher? What would, if I came to you and said, look, Deja, I make 85000 That's probably the cap I'm going to make as a nonprofit leader. But I really want to move into a space of having more, just more abundance. What, what, what do, where do I go from here? I would give them two pieces. I think that, you know, I tell my team all the time um, at Girls Like Me that when you are doing meaningful work, you deserve to get paid like it. Yeah. Point blank, period. And when you are looking at the impact that we as nonprofit leaders are making in the lives of other people, I mean, the work that we do, the work that you do, you know, you can take a woman who is struggling on the street and you can make her into a C-suite executive, you know, like you are changing her life. You are changing the trajectory of her family and her legacy. Like that is impactful work and you deserve to be paid like it, you know? That it, that's, that's the first thing. It's point blank period. And so, yeah, I do think that your budget should reflect that. I think, yeah, I absolutely believe that your budget should reflect that. Of course, you know, there are specific guidelines per se, and you know, I'm not the one for rules, but <laughs> specific <laughs> guidelines about, you know, how much you probably want to set out for salaries as compared to, you know, what you're putting into programming. So obviously you want to look at that and make sure that's reasonable. And I always say, you know, You'll find out one way or another if it's reasonable or not. <laughs> you'll you'll find out. It'll it'll it, it will show itself for sure. Um, so that's definitely one thing that you know you should do, and I think that's something that all nonprofit leaders want to make sure they press on. The other thing that I would do is passive income is really not that passive, but I think that there's always a start to something, and it can become more passive. And so one of the things that you know I did as a nonprofit leader was. I started a real estate company, um, a property management company specifically, and I actually started this about a year after I started my nonprofit. It was just something that I was really interested in. And, um, you know, there's, there's more to that story, but to stay on topic, essentially, I created a, um, a property management company, and that has been mostly passive for me. And so, um, and so that's one of the ways that I'm able to, you know, I, I have worked we all probably have worked for free for our nonprofits, you know, tenfold. So it's so, you know, it is something that keeps money coming in while we're still able to focus on our passions and focus on the work that we do within our nonprofits. So I would definitely say, you know, yes, get paid within your nonprofits, set your budget, set that, work hard to get there 
And then also, um, you know, creating uh, passive income streams. I, I am, I love business. So that's something that, you know, I will always create a new business. It's just my thing. Um, but some other things, you know, that I could recommend trading. I've actually for myself tried out um, Amazon, the Amazon store. So actually getting into the shipping and becoming a wholesaler, stuff like that. Again, it's not very passive. It does take a lot off the front end, but it can become passive. So that's another thing, you know, just trying out different things that work for you. Um, and especially the time that you have. I don't have a lot of time, so I, I need something that's passive. But right. those are um, some things that I definitely recommend for other nonprofit leaders who are looking to increase their income while they, you know, kind of wait on the rest to come. Right. And let me just say this. I know a not a lot, lot of nonprofit leaders who are afraid to like pursue these other streams of income. And it's typically because the nonprofit is taking up all their time. The social business is taking up all their time because social entrepreneurs, and Deja just said it a few minutes ago, like the work that we do and the impact that you make deserves to be compensated because it's a lot. When you are shifting someone's life, changing someone's life, that that is not some it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot of work, right? And so what happens is these social entrepreneurs start getting into this thing and then they forget about other streams of income. But typically it's because the social enterprise or the nonprofit business doesn't have any systems in place, meaning you're you're everything, you're all the things. And if we ever want to make it to these seven-figure lifestyles, you got to understand systems, processes, SOPs, all those things are required and a team, a team to help you so that while the nonprofit is generating money, you're out generating money somewhere else, right? There's a lot of debate about multiple streams of income. So I want to read this quote to you, Deja, you tell me your take on it. Multiple streams of income is a tool of the rich, not a tool to get rich. Agree or disagree? Say that one more time. (laughs) Multiple streams of income is a tool of the rich, not a tool to get rich. Hmm. Multiple streams of income is a tool of the rich, not a tool to get rich. Mm Mm-hmm. I do. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think that for people who do have, you know, just everyday people who have multiple streams of income, you know, you look at, oh, well, you know, my mom had a property. She passed away. I rented it out. Okay. Now you got, you now you got one more stream of income. There, there's so many ways that can look like in just one ability, but I, I don't, yeah, I think it's both. I think it's definitely, um, it can be used to get rich and it can be used when you are still rich, I think that's, that would be the goal. I, I, I think that's pretty straightforward, actually. You know, like, it, it's just, because if you look at it, right, if you are, say, you're not rich yet, right, um, monetarily, if you are having these multiple streams of income, say you've got this book, or say you are a teacher, and say you also teach, you know, homeschool, or you have some type of homeschool program, you know, those are multiple streams of income. And over time, let's say your homeschooling income replaces your mortgage or your rent. Like, well, now you you are decreasing your cash flow. So, so frankly, I mean, 
I think that in both situations, um, I think when you are rich, which, you know, I'm not rich yet, not monetarily, but <laughs> I would imagine that my mindset is already there. Let me say that. First of all, I do think I'm rich, but I'm not rich yet. So, the so, bank, the bank. You said you are, but the bank said you ain't. That's it's, it's a different story over there. It's a different story over there. But I think when you are rich, it's almost like those streams of income. It's like that is your that is your income collectively. You know what I mean? Whereas for most of us everyday people, you know, these are kind of our side incomes, and we always have this one gig that's like our main source of income. Like I said, if you have other streams of income coming in and you're decreasing your cash flow, well, that's going to ultimately help you get rich because now the money you were spending or the money now that you're getting from the other source of the income, you know, you can you can invest that in whatever. And I mean, invest in just a, a verb sense, but you can invest that somewhere else and it can make you more money. So I, I think it's somewhere in the middle and it can be used for both. Yeah. So I think, th- so the context in which it was, given was that um, we tend to tell people you need seven streams of income to become a millionaire and then people go try to start seven different businesses in in 10 different industries and they're kind of all over the place when really the the original quote of seven streams of income was really about creating multiple streams of income in one business so I want to talk about your nonprofit business and one Let's, you know, while we're talking strategy, let's debunk the myth that nonprofits are living off grants, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. talk about talk about streams of income you've created in your nonprofit business that are moving, you know, that are moving your needle towards this rich community leader status because that's we want to create rich community leaders Mm -hmm. it is no reason that people who are out here feeding the homeless clothing the homeless healing people's minds and bodies are struggling the way that they are so what steps have you taken to create multiple streams of income in your nonprofit business Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so glad that you bring this up because this is something that we have been actively working on throughout the pandemic. You know, I understand the pandemic was a very, very difficult time for a lot of nonprofits. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, It was a very difficult time. And then for us, you know, yes, when when COVID hit, we all of our, our, our primary program shut down. And what we learned was that, oh crap, this was our only program. And how do we fulfill our mission when we can't do this program? So that is really what jump-started, I would say, our initiative to, you know, increase our streams of income or other programs, right? So we there's several different needs that each of our income streams fulfills. So we have um, an online community that um, this is a... <laughs> Uh, Chantel exclusive. We have not even launched out to the public yet, but we have an online community where girls globally can access this platform and we can fulfill our mission that way, right? This is something that it takes almost, you know, from a team perspective or resources perspective, it is just about engaging, right? We set it up ahead of time and we engage and then we push out different content from time to time. So that's one thing. The other thing is our, um, our signature program, that being like the meat of our, our mission and, and, and also adding kind of that online community as a benefit to that. So we've got in-person program, uh, we've got online communities, 
we um, are looking at implementing digital resources. So for people who maybe are not yet ready to kind of really jump in um, with both feet to do the work that, you know, that increases self-esteem, self-efficacy, having digital resources just for people to go on and at any time they just want to access it. I mean, quick, easy digital resources. We set it up, we throw it on there and it lives there forever. And people can go on there and people can just download whatever resources are applicable to them. And then in addition to that, we've also looked at post-program programs. <laughs> so um, what I mean by that is, is after someone has um, gone through our main program, the, the program that re- that is the meat of us fulfilling our mission, how do we keep them engaged even after that? One example of that might be like an alumni type of, you know, association or club or something like that, where, um, you know, there's a slight membership fee. That is also a way for you to not only keep your people engaged for, you know, the people like the parents and the girls of the program um, who are still within our age group to see the outcomes, right, through this alumni that's working, that's still engaged in the organization and working with the other girls that are currently in the, in our, our signature programs. Um, they're able to kind of engage with them, see the results of the program, not just by, you know, our metrics, but also by this girl is standing right in front of you and she's, you know, been in the program. I mean, what better, what better way to to display the result of our work than someone who's standing right in front of you and able to share with you their experience. And it allows them also for them, for them to stay engaged with us so that, as they move along in their journey, because it doesn't stop once you're 18 or so, it doesn't stop there. Those are just some, a couple of ways that we have thought about and are currently executing on to increase our multiple streams of income. Um, and then, of course, you have your basic ones as far as just, you know, grants and fundraisers and all that stuff. But yeah, but really, that. yeah, really understanding that you have to move beyond those traditional yeah. um, streams, your grants, your, your special mm-hmm. events, your, you know, Facebook fundraiser, you if you really want to hit though that seven figure mark for your business and then eventually for yourself as a leader you got to move beyond these traditional buckets and sitting around mm-hmm. waiting and hoping that grants fall out of the sky right because it ain't gonna <laughs> it's not happening it's not happening so you really got to move into a space where you are the same way you're like creating these multiple streams of income in your personal life you have to create them inside of the business tell me because we're, we're going to getting ready to wrap it up. And I have some awesome strategies that we're going to recap that you've dropped and probably don't even know you dropped. (laughs) Um, Tell me what you say to people who say, well, you run a nonprofit and that money comes from the public and you should not be making seven figures. And so forget about the people that say that because we already know what we want to say to them. There are leaders who believe that it's unethical for them to make the same salary as the CEO of a major corporation, they believe it's unethical for them to make the same amount of money. What What do you say to these leaders who really are struggling? They, I think they really limit themselves. Let me say this. I think they limit how much they raise for their organization because they know if they raise more money that they should be paid more, but they're afraid to go to that level. What do you say to these people? I would say that what I, you know, what I, the point that I have that I almost live to drill down for people. You are enough. 
if you understand the magnitude of you, the your ideas, your your time, if you understand how significant you are, then I think that it would follow that you would say, you know what, man, I'm changing the world. I want to be leading world changers. And in order for me to continue to change the world in the ways that I do, I have to, I have to earn this. And the reason I say that is because (laughs) I know self-care has been, you know, has been big. But it really is important. You know, everyday people who are not looking at changing the world don't have to go on staycations. We got to go on staycations. We have to protect the asset. I know y'all hear that. You got to protect the asset. You have to. You have to. You know, and that may look like, it looks different for everyone, first of all. But that may look like, okay, every week I have to go and get a massage because I have to make sure that I'm practicing mindfulness. And there are certain things that, you know, everybody said everybody practices these things differently, but I have to be present. I have to protect my mind. I have to make sure that I am not stressed out. Stress kills. And people, especially in this hustle culture, people do not take it seriously enough. But stress kills. And if you're dead, <laughs> how are you going to change the world? You know, how are you going to make the impact that you were set here to make? So I think overall, in short, it's just about understanding how important you are, not just to yourself, but to the entire, the entire world, to the the communities and the people that you have um, set out to impact. Right. Like, please understand there is a cost value associated with the work that you do. You know, I've had a lot of clients who like feed the homeless. And they really think that there's no cost associated with them going out and serving these meals. There is, you can't go into a restaurant and sit down and eat for free. There's a cost associated with the work that you're doing and you deserve to be compensated and your family deserves to live a certain way. And so I'm just going to recap some of the strategy that Deja shared with us today about really moving the needle and moving yourself towards this million dollar lifestyle, whether it's a million dollars in the bank or like Deja said earlier, it's a million dollars in your mind. We really got to shift to this place where we are understanding that community leaders and change makers are equally important. So one of the things they just said was understand that you are enough. If right now in your business, at your job, you aren't making seven figures, that's fine. That's fine. Seven figures is the goal. It's, you know, it's one of the goal lines. But understanding that you are enough, where you are right now is fine and you are enough. Begin to shift your mind to believe that you are simply enough, that the things that you want will happen. What's for you is for you, right? That's what we all always tell people. What's for you is for you. So everything that you're strategizing towards and, and creating goals about, it's it's coming. But the, where you are right now is not a fail because you're not there yet. Second one, create systems in your nonprofit business or your social enterprise so that you have the ability to make passive income outside of the nonprofit business. If you are doing all the things, if you packing, if you collecting the donations, packing the, sorting the donations, packing the donations, distributing the donations, doing all the books, doing all the data tracking, where do you have time to create passive income in addition to what you're making inside of your nonprofit? And then remember to create multiple streams of income in the business. Y'all, 
Grants aren't going to save the day, okay? Grants are not going to make you a million-dollar organization. Fundraisers at Chipotle ain't going to cut it. No no shade to Chipotle because I'm probably going there after we record this episode. But Chipotle fundraisers and, and grants and wishing for grants are not going to get you across the seven-figure line. You got to get creative and you got to create multiple multiple streams of income inside of your business in order to get there. Remember, we nonprofit leaders, social entrepreneurs, we don't sell tangible things. We sell anecdotes and feelings and sometimes what looks like invisible change. And so you got to get really creative in how you are being a resource to your community and getting compensated for that in the process. And then again, just making sure that we are shifting our mindset to understand that the work that community leaders and change makers do is so important and there is a cost associated with it and it belongs to you. It is yours for the taking. Deja, thank you so much for this conversation. It was great as usual. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. If they want to talk to you more about money goals or nonprofit leadership, how can they find you? Yes. So thank you so much for having me today. And thank you all so much for listening to us today, specifically me. Um, we know Chantel is, is important. So um, you all can find me at on Instagram at it's Deja Coley. You can also visit my website to learn more about the work that I do, www.dejacoley.com. And thank you for listening to Million Dollar Mission, the podcast for entrepreneurs that are focused on purpose and profit. I'm your host, Dr. Chantel Chambliss, serial entrepreneur, nonprofit expert, wife, and mother. This podcast has been produced by Joy Donaldson. Until next time, stay on your mission.